Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years Years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey and Jeff, and we are here to tell you a bit about our partner Anchor. We know that you're a fan of this podcast and maybe you thought, hey, I want to make a podcast too. Well, we have great news for you guys. We want to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few reasons, but to start out, it's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Plus, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it, you guys, and enjoy the show. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Manu. Hello, hello. Welcome to Better Together, guys. When you know better, you get better. It's July 8th, 2020. Kelsey found some fun music to start the show with. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Today, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Erin Falconer, and she wrote this amazing book called How to Get Shit Done. Guys, I am so excited. I mean, right from the top, there are so many moments in here that I'm like, uh, what? We have a constant need to prove our worth when our worth should be obvious to anyone or anything living within a hundred mile radius of planet Earth. She's talking about us ladies, not you guys. Uh, (laughs) You may feel like the most productive person alive, but without a purpose, you're just busy. Damn. Throw the book down. I I mean, shit, not throw the book. Drop the book. Drop the, the book. book. I can't even be cool. Um, thank you guys for joining us, of course, um, right here on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. If you're on Instagram right now and you haven't hit follow, hit follow, please. We're going live every weekday after the show on IG Live, talking about our takeaway, what we've learned. Kelsey and I sit on our that's right, we do on our little lounge chairs in the front yard, and we chat about what we we've have a learned. Good time. 
And sometimes I add some new little tips in there, like hair tips and stuff. Yeah, if you guys missed that on Monday, ooh, it was a good one. It was a good one. So you'll have to follow to find out. And uh, also, um, because we're better together, we ask that uh, we help each other. So obviously, if you choose to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Maria Menounos, you'll never miss an episode because you'll get those cute little notifications and I'll continue to bring you the world's best experts in all areas of life. And if you would do me the kindness um, to help me and other listeners find their way here uh, by rating, reviewing on Apple Podcasts or sharing an episode on social media, that would be unbelievable and we would be so grateful um, for you sharing it with people that would benefit and that would love it. I mean, I know when I'm helping people, because you guys know, well, maybe you guys don't know, but my side hustle is helping people with cancer. And so um, probably every day I'm having a coaching session with a new family, usually runs about 90 minutes to two hours, and I'm giving them all the things that we've learned along the way with my mom. And... I'm like, okay, you need to listen to this episode and this episode and this episode and this episode because there are so many amazing healers and experts that we have brought on the show that have been so helpful. So I, um, like, for example, let's see what I sent Kevin's friend who just got diagnosed with stage four. Such a noble uh, side hustle. I feel like I'm, I know. most people's side hustle is like, yeah, I'm building a car, repairing something on the side, and you're like helping families heal thanks. and repair. Thank Maria's you. Like, oh, it's been my three-year side, side hustle. Uh, so I sent the health hacks and autoimmune tips with Alyssa Goodman. Amazing episode. Uh, reverse chronic illness through diet with Dr. Mark Emerson. Another amazing episode. Unlocking your mind and full potential with Dr. Joe Dispenza. I mean, unbelievable episode. <laughs> Fighting breast cancer with Dr. Christy Funk. Be- Christy Funk's a genius. Because I think her her dietary and nutrition findings in her book aren't just applicable to breast cancer. It's for everything. Um, and Anita Morjani's fascinating near-death experience because the the biggest part about her and her book, Dying to Be Me, was that she wasn't living her true self and her true life. And her cancer was because of that. And then she had a miraculous, spontaneous recovery when she decided she was going to live her true journey. And so I feel like there's an emotional component to cancer that people um, don't address necessarily. And so things like that, I think, can put things into perspective. I also told her to watch Heal, the documentary, and Weed the People. My so this favorite. is my homework. So um, if you are new to the show... Um, we have a library of incredible, um, episodes. And so if you can help share any of them with your friends that are struggling, like our friend who, um, is just going on this cancer journey, um, you know, I said to her, I go, if you can look through, look at it as like an invitation to change your life, you will go through this in a much more kind of graceful way. And the way to do that is to educate yourself. And so that's what we do here every week, um, every day. And if you could help us by sharing that, that would be great because we're better together. We can't do it without you. So thank you for that. If you haven't joined us on Patreon, click the link in the summary. We do uh, exclusive footage there every week and great giveaways that will help you on your journey. Our quote of the day, lack of direction, not lack of time is the problem. We all have 24-hour days. Zig Ziglar. I love that. I really love that because 
we're all bitching that we don't have enough time. And yet think of like the super productive people that get so much done and they're so successful. They have the same amount of hours as we do. What's our friggin' excuse? Totally. It's a good call out. It's like, yeah, yeah. Steve Jobs and I do have the same amount of hours in the day. Well, RIP Steve Jobs, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I never thought about it like shakers. that. Yeah, totally. I really like that. I want to put that on Instagram today. I feel like when you realize how much you time you actually spend on your phone or just doing little random things like that adds up. Mm-hmm. And like Jeff just said, RIP Steve Jobs, but he has the same amount of hours as us. He yeah. did. So we can do it too. I love that. Totally. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I'm really excited for our guest. Um, and it's funny. I feel like one of our guests recently... We had, well, our guest yesterday, Gretchen said, when you're kind of overwhelmed and you think, oh, I got to take stuff off my plate, it's actually, you got to add stuff to your plate because, oh, geez, the light just fell. Um, You got to add more stuff to your plate. In fact, we had another guest that said the same thing. It's a kind of running theme recently, I feel like, where it's like, stop taking stuff off. You need when you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Purpose. I think it was Ed Milet maybe that spoke about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny because I'm finding myself in a moment where I feel a little burnt out. Not a little, like a lot. Um, And I feel like I'm slipping and I'm really trying hard not to. um, But I'm waking up with so much anxiety in my stomach. And I'm like, oh, this is just, I'm not going to say it out loud, but this is just a recipe for disaster inside of my body. And I know better. And so I need to figure out how to escape (laughs) and shut down. And so I think I have to figure that out. But at the same time, you know, maybe, I mean. Well, what I like about Erin Maria is she talks about not necessarily adding more to your plate, but adding more of what matters to your plate. So she has an exercise in the book that we'll talk about today where she says, make a list of all the things you want to do, cross all everything out but three. And like, you got to focus on those three. She calls it the big three. And she says, that's a great way to focus your energy on what really matters to you at that time. So yes, adding things, but I think especially adding things that are going to move the needle right now. Yeah. I think what's going to move my needle right now is just being in a forest. Well, we have the forest bathing episode, speaking of other great episodes. I know. <laughs> Actually, you know what we should do? We should do a team forest bathing event. I'd love that. We could, it's easy to do even during this time, too. Guys, something we can actually it is do. so amazing, actually. I think you would all love it. It would be really nice. I'm excited. I don't know what's happening. What but is I'm that? Ex- yeah, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to tell you guys. There's an episode. Look it up. I sent that actually. That was one of them was forest bathing. 
Nice. Um, and uh, I, I think that's what we should do as a team because I feel like everybody's a little burnt. Everyone's a little down. The fact that COVID's coming back with a vengeance months before we expected it to come back. We'd all heard about the fall. And it's like, we, we were open for like a week and now we're shut down again. Uh, it's a little exhausting and mentally. So I think maybe we will plan a nice forest bathing event. We basically go through the forest. There's no bathing involved. Um, you're Got bathing it. in the, the, the smells and the scents and the, the forest. But it's a really beautiful experience. There is a bear there. Ooh. Oh. There has oh. been a bear oh. sighting. I okay. wasn't told that until the deep night when the moon was out. So, like, you go through the day, you're, you know, walking through this forest, and then all of a sudden you get to this end and you start to meditate on these rocks and you open your eyes and it's pitch dark out, but with, like, the beautiful moon. And then they're like, yeah, there was a bear here. And I'm like, bah! If a bear, if you ever saw a bear, it would come to you and like start Roll cuddling on his back. with you. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's Bobby, how I feel. I Bobby, know. Bobby loves you. Yes, you'd be yeah. fine. Yeah, and he'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. "Well, I'm excited, you guys. I'm a huge like the sky, the stars, the moon. The other night when mm-hmm. the moon was ugh, so I'm ready. Yeah, forest bathing was something they did back in Japan. I think before like industry or when industry started. And um, they actually certified paths as cancer healing paths. And it's because the oaks um, rain down this thing on you. And they, it's like this whole thing. I can't remember exactly, but it's it's re- very healing. So, um, Kelsey, I'm going to put you in charge of making sure I make that happen. Done. Um, let's talk about... Oh, gosh. Do we want... I did... One of the things I stressed about last night, again, this is why I'm not in a good place, was, oh, we never talked about the seven signs of the apocalypse on the show yesterday. And I really wanted to get to that yesterday. I mean, I was I was stressing about so much shit in bed last night. Um, so the seven signs of the apocalypse, Jeffrey Graham, would you please go through them so we can see if indeed we are nearing the end? Yeah, I'm pulling up my rundown now. Um, it is okay. All of a sudden, my computer literally Jeff, just froze. You don't have the papers in front of you. I should, you know, I was, Jeff. I like, oh, for the love of God, no, I like Jeff. to save paper by using my computer. I think we froze. need like to collect all the drops of Jeff <laughs> failing, and then it's like Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Well, he's performing one of the sins right now. Yeah, yeah, maybe there you go. I but, like, I like to try to save paper. It's false prophets. I'll read them to you. False <laughs> prophets. I've got to pull up now. Um. Do Hold we... on, Maria. I have to. I have to engage in the show. Let me find my rundown. Sorry, it, my, it's sometimes with the Zoom. I can. Oh gets weird, yeah. I need to just start blame it, it on the Zoom. Um, okay. Yeah, zoom, yeah. Zoom. I know we like blame to... <laughs> it on the Zoom when it dies. I know we like to avoid getting political, but a lot of people would argue that um, the current uh, yeah. of our country might be a bit of a false prophet. I don't know how you all feel. Wait, what? If that's the first sign of false prophets, uh, half of our country would argue, maybe more, that the leadership leading us right now might fit into that category. Mm-hmm. I know you like to avoid politics, but I don't know how you mm-hmm. all feel. Yep. Okay. Maybe yeah. we leave it at What's that? the second yeah, one? Okay. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> um, so war is the second one. This can be interpreted in a lot of ways. And again, I'm not going to claim to be a, quote, expert on this. I'm just the person who grew up in a pretty Protestant family. But... You know, you could almost argue we're waging war against ourselves right now, or you could argue that we're waging war against a virus right now. 
Mm. And of course, all I mean, war is a component of human society. There is wars happening all around the country right mm. now. What is it good for? What is it good for? Mm. Um, good one, Rye. Uh, famine. Obviously, in the U.S., we're doing okay compared to other parts of the world, but there have mm. been a lot of conversations around the supply chain. Mm. So, you know, like Tyson Chicken Factories, for example, closing down. Mm. We've had that video of all those potatoes getting buried. Mm. Could those lead to a famine? Mm. I don't know. Mm. Uh, next, we have plague. Mm. I mean, that one's pretty straightforward. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Explain it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think with plague, we can just leave it at that, right? Mm-hmm. So the Great Tribulation... This is um, in Revelation, which is where all this comes from. It's the final book of the Bible. They talk about the 2.5 years of satanic rule. Um, Oh, my God. (laughs) You all can take that how you want. Kelsey, are you responding to that? Kelsey's responding to that. I'm just having a moment over here. I'm like, oh. Guys. Wow. Okay. Uh Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) with, With the heavenly signs, we have the sun and the moon darkening. We have had... Um, more frequent eclipses lately. We have. That Indeed. Is true. Someone so... in the chat goes, check. <laughs> um, and then the last one is the seven trumpets. That's like a very supernatural event where um, some of God's messengers ride down on horses to play trumpets um, across like seven, they, it says seven corners of the earth, which is like poetic, but I don't know about that one yet. Maybe. So so that would be the final straw, right? Yeah. And, and so because I don't know enough um I never read the Bible. Um, I'm a bad Orthodox Christian. But if um, if <laughs> if we see men on horses with trumpets coming down and they're ethereal looking, that's when we know it's over. Like that means the end of the world is the seventh signs of the apocalypse. Like that's it. We get the seventh sign. Yeah. And that's I think that's uh, when Christ comes down and then judges the earth from there. Okay. So... Maybe in our forest bathing, we will see people riding horses and playing trumpets. So I had a weird (laughs) sensation when I was meditating this morning. So in my left eye, I closed my eyes and I saw these squiggly lines and it looked like it said Sal. And then I looked again. I was like, wait, is it fail? Fail? No, Sal. Sal. Okay, quick. Sal. And then as I opened my eyes, I could still see it. You know, when you close your eyes, you see something, but when you open your eyes, it's gone. Yeah. It was still there. So huh. then I kept my eyes closed and I was like, shit, that's scary. So then I opened my eyes again. I'm like, frick, it's right there. What, is, what does Sal mean? Is there a Sal involved in the seven signs of apocalypse, perhaps? We truly might need to bring on a Bible expert. I feel like this is outside of my pay grade, but there's someone, there are experts out there. If, I mean, I know some people if Wait, we wanted to. Do you know who we need to bring back is John Edwards? Yeah, we need we need John the psychic to come back, and yes. because here's the thing, we had him on at the beginning of the COVID crisis, and he had a really great take, and now we're in the middle of the second wave of the COVID crisis. I mean, if you didn't see yesterday, Florida, I think it was like 56 hospitals are already at capacity and can't take anybody more. Um, I feel like California isn't 100% there yet, or we would be hearing, but we're going to be there probably. Yeah. Um, And now it's getting so real where people we are all knowing are sick and dying. Like you've had somebody die. I've had somebody die that's that's uh, connected to us. Um, 
Yeah, it's like starting to become that thing where when our kids or the next generations ask us about it, it'll be, who did you know that died from this? That's yeah. how real it's becoming. Yeah, but in the last wave, we didn't have anybody connected to us, right? Yeah. And so it feels less real in a weird way unless you've had somebody you know that has it, right? Once it becomes personal. Which, of course, then launches so many conspiracy theories, right? And my um, my dad you know, or Kevin would start to be like, ah, we don't need to worry about this or we're all being too crazy or whatever. And now we're like, maybe not dad, Kevin, let's be a little bit more serious about this. And now they are because they're seeing, um, just how, um, serious this is getting. I'm looking at the chat and William Smith is saying, Maria, you and your family should just move to Greece. I've already had that conversation with someone, um, on Saturday. In fact, uh, I just don't know how to get my 130 pound shepherd there. This is an issue. So, um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh... So, any solutions are welcome. Yeah, if anybody's mm-hmm. got a PJ. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you could do? There are always those military boats that are going. Military you know... boats? Yeah, they would love having a dog on there for the two-week journey to Greece. I would never put my son on a on a boat. No. No. I'd actually be concerned for the soldiers, though. Still, That's... Max. I, I really Max would be. would be their best friend. Max would be. He their would best have to. Friend. Yeah, he would. But I think, um, okay, so that was awesome. Cool. So we just now need to look for the seven trumpets. Um, (laughs) Do we have any fun news today? Well, I wasn't sure, Maria. I feel like we had talked about you being a fan of Supermarket Sweep. No idea what that is. Okay, for some reason I thought you were a super fan. Well, what is it? Supermarket Sweep was a really popular game show in the 90s where people would race. Wait, is that the show Harvey Weinstein brought back? Because he wanted me to do this supermarket show, and then Stacey Keebler ended up doing it. I the, um, the famous one is the original version, which was in the 90s. Okay. And it's like the most 90s thing you've ever seen. I'm okay. interested to see in the chat if we had any fans of Supermarket Sweep. But okay. it's basically like a, a shopping show. So you're competing to get as many groceries as you can for the least amount that you can. And I just pictured you at Smart and Final yesterday, and I was like, maybe we got to get Maria on Supermarket Sweep. Okay, so what is the goal? You have to buy a certain amount of things? Yeah, you have to get the most amount of things. for. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days, and I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor, and it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios, and then I got addicted, and now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them the least amount of money i mean listen anything competitive i have a really high chance of winning because i'm very competitive totally. in the most fun ways um oh, yeah. so i would put myself up for sure um and it's now you can watch all of supermarket sweep on netflix i can't think of a better like the old version the old version which okay. is so exciting can i tell you something disturbing i saw in the supermarket the other day yes sour patch kids cereal <gasps> Oh, that's horrible. As too much. a huge fan of Sour Patch Kids, 
I was horrified. Yeah. Horrified. You wouldn't do it, Maria? Can you, you imagine you give your kids Sour Patch Kids cereal in the morning? They're like, ah! And you wonder why they're crazy. Yeah, that feels you're jacking like, them up with so much sugar. That feels like diabetes in a box. Yes. I, I mean, literally, I looked at him like, that looks like the devil. I remember when Cookie Crisp came out, I was like, that's pushing it. We're getting, <laughs> we're already getting, okay, we're getting dessert, putting it in a cereal. Oh. This is a full-on candy. Do not, you guys. do not even make me look at this. It's this on Instacart. Okay, so I don't know what cereals you guys ate, but my dad was diabetic, so we didn't eat anything bad in our house, except for a few times a year when we would have company. My mom would go out and buy like Doritos and stuff, and I just would hoard the bag by myself. Um, but we were a grape nuts family. I still love grape nuts. Me if too. If I ate a lot of cereals, like grape nuts would be it with cinnamon. Mm. Um, uh, shredded wheat was a favorite. Um, raisin bran. I'm big. I actually, so now I'm thinking about it. Reese's Puffs were one of my favorite. Oh <laughs> and my that's a candy. God. No, it's terrible. I Listen, we had occasional Captain Crunch. Mm. Okay. And Captain Crunch, damn, that was good. Okay. Berries. Yeah. I like the berries, Captain Ooh. Crunch. Oh, see, now we're just getting so sugary. Right. Right. See, my mom was all about the no sugar. We were oatmeal, cream of wheat. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh we yeah. did cream of wheat, yeah. too. Yeah. My that was the first I... thing I learned how to cook. Yes. It's so easy, so good. Uh-huh. My sister and I were allowed one bowl of the cocoa, cocoa pebbles mm. after gymnastics, but that was it. That was Gross. it. Gross. Oh. Um, yeah, Sour Patch with Milk sounds hideous. Horrible. Hideous. Horrible. Okay, so let's get to our interview and figure out how to get shit done, why women need to stop doing everything so they can achieve anything. What? Woo. Maybe that was one of the trumpet people taking over my body. <laughs> um, so Aaron Falconer is the editor-in-chief and co-owner of Pick the Brain. It's one of the fastest-growing and most trusted self-improvement websites and communities on the web. She's got over 200 bloggers from around the world contributing content. Um, it's not only a great passion project, but it's become a powerful global voice and brand in the self-improvement space. Her best-selling book, How to Get Shit Done, outlines practical strategies that we can implement into our daily lives to accomplish the goals that we want. Um, do we have Erin? Yes, we have Erin. Hi. Zoom scary. <laughs> How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Where are you coming to us from? From Venice. Oh, that's right. You're in Venice. Yeah. Oh, I love Venice. But I'm originally Canadian. I have to say that in every in every interview. Well, I am going to come to Venice and um, handcuff you to me because I hoard Canadians and Midwesterners because I think they're the nicest people on the planet. Um, I welcome your handcuffs. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, you know, your story is a really kind of big part of how you got to where you are. So would you give our audience a little bit of background on um, on how you landed where you are now? Yeah. So, you know, in a nutshell, I kind of grew up in a small Canadian town, was very type A, very like you know, had to be valedictorian, all that stuff, and was on a fast track, went to Oxford when I was 16, was on a very academic fast track. Um, 
But all along, I sort of had this like inner voice, creative inner voice that kept kind of popping up. And it first reared its head when I was 16. And out of the blue, I just decided to um, do a stand-up comedy competition. I'd never done stand-up before. Uh, Just so weird, like things like that kept coming up and I kept pushing them down and kept going on through school and uh, went to McGill, really good university in Canada. Um, And then right when I was about to go to law school, um, basically on the eve of the night I was going to go to law school, I was like, you know what, I'm not doing this. I'm going to move to Toronto and be a writer or something. I don't know. Literally on the eve. Yes. Yes. And so I just, again, it wasn't one of these things where I was like contemplating for a long time. It was kind of like the stand-up comedy thing where it just kind of like smacked me on, you know, I was driving my car and it was like, nope, or in the comedy thing, I was like, yeah, you're doing that. And then with the law school thing, I was like, nope, you're not doing that. So I called the law school in the morning. I was like, can I defer for a year? They said, yes. I called my parents and they were like, what? And, but they supported me. So I moved to Toronto and I gave this kind of, entertainment world a try for a year then two years uh then three years and finally my parents flew to Toronto to have a very polite Canadian style intervention (laughs) and they said you know you've given this a try for you know years now and it's not really working and again in one of those moments I was like you know I totally agree with you that's why I really feel like I need to give this a shot and I'm gonna move to Los Angeles and they were like, they were less supportive in that moment. And so anyways, uh, I ended up moving to LA and had a bit of a good run for a while. But again, long story short, I found myself in 2008 in the financial crisis um, on the fetal position, in the fetal position on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out. I had no money. My house was being foreclosed on no car. My visa was expired. And I was like, Oh my God, how did I get here? This is nuts. I was like on a fast track to be like, I would be a partner in a law firm right now. And instead I'm in this really dire situation. And so I didn't know how to get out of it. I called uh, a couple of mentors. I had two mentors specifically hysterical. And I was like, I just, I don't know what to do. I got to go back to Canada. And they both said individually, they don't know each other. Well, you know, and I was, the thing that was so scary is that I'd listened to this inner voice and it seemed to have been failing me. And so, you know, when that happens, you're like spinning. Yeah. Control. You don't, it's like, where, you don't have a true North. Right. So, but both of those mentors said to me, that's, you got to, instead of running from that voice, double down on it. And I was like, how, what are you talking about? Like, I'm literally, things could not be worse except that I have my health. But other than that, things could not be possibly worse. And um, so they said, well, that's my advice, both of them. And so I kind of pulled myself up and I said, okay, I'm going to do one, one more try here. I sent out a hundred, literally a hundred resumes on Craigslist, got back one response, which was to be a $15 an hour copywriter at this new self-improvement website. And this is 2008. So like blogging and websites are really kind of just starting So I knew nothing about the internet. Uh, This was not the writing job that I came to Los Angeles for, but I was like, okay, I'm either going to take this and make it work and really put a plan around it, or I got to go back to Canada. And so I decided to take this job and I was able to turn it into pick the brain, which is now one of the 
biggest, most self-respected self-improvement blogs on the web. Uh, have 400 people writing for me daily. Um, then I was able to turn pick the brain into um, my another company called Leaf TV, which I sold in 2015. Um, and then out of those two successes came my first book, which is called How to Get Shit Done, Why Women Need to Stop Doing Everything So They Can Achieve Anything. And it's kind of the story of how I got to where I am now. Um, but the biggest kind of surprise of that book is that it wasn't the success that is at the forefront of the book. It's that I ended up getting all of this success and then, but wasn't realizing, you know, I was just not automatic. I was kind of back in that type A personality where it was just like, go, 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 go. So I wasn't realizing what I was doing. I certainly wasn't appreciating it. I wasn't stop stopping to self-reflect and see if mm -hmm. I even was enjoying any of it. And so I really hit a wall, this big burnout wall, which threatened to like have everything come unhinged again. And that's the, the book is kind of the story of how um, I rediscovered who I was and what was really important to me. Okay. So now we need to know when you hit that wall, how did you... How did you shift again? Yeah, well, the thing is, is that a, a lot of times, especially women, um, you know, we don't really check in with ourselves. It's hard enough to find your footing with a career and a family or just a career. And then I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria. My mom would say in her Greek accent, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Like carving out what's, you know, um, socially important to you. It's just so it's like we put our head down and we do. Mm -hmm. And we try and, you know, do it all because that's what's expected of us externally. But also I think we put a lot of personal pressure on ourselves to like be quote unquote doing it all. And, and that idea of doing it all is really the problem. You don't want to be doing it all, right? You don't want to ever have like completely made it because then what's next, right? Yeah. There's no hunger. There's no curiosity. And so the key to this is really the self-evaluation part. And for me, like I hadn't really checked in on what I wanted to do. You know, most people, they go to university and they're like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. And then that's it. And but that person that's guiding you is like an 18 year old version of yourself. Yep. So I mean, I don't know when you're having a crisis in your life, do you go, what 18 year old can I consult with? No, you say, Hey, let me talk to somebody that's got wisdom and understanding and life experience. But most of the time we're just still going on the whim of an 18 year old. And that yes. doesn't mean that 18 year old wasn't smart and wise for being 18, but certainly as you and I both know, you just 
get wiser and what, you know, life happens and you're forced to learn a lot of things. Well, we evolve. I talk about it on the show all the time and I've never heard anybody else talk about this. So I'm really excited that you are because where we were at 18 mentally and what fed our souls and our kind of cup then isn't Mm -hmm. always going to be there. So then you get trapped in a system that is no longer serving you. So that's why I always say like, I feel like at 40, we should like reevaluate and do something different if we're not happy, because that's the moment where you can say, you know what, that was great for that part. And that's what I did. That was great for that part. This is where I want to go in this part. Totally. Exactly. And it's not about saying like regretting or anything. It's just about being able to check in. And I think that's why like kind of nature's way is like the midlife crisis. It's, it has nothing to do with like you're facing your own mortality. It's like, hey, but check in with who you are now. Check in with who you, because you're still going again on a trajectory that was started by an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. And so, or a 17 year old or a 21 year old. But the point is you're 40 now or you're 50 now or you're 36 now. And inevitably you have changed whether you wanted to or not through the evolution of just existing. And so um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It, it, the self-reflection piece is just so important. And that's how you get further and further and further from where you want to go is the longer you haven't checked in with yourself and you get separated from who you really are, mm-hmm. right? Which is where that unhappiness lies. You start acting less and less in the best interests of who you are and more and more in the interests of who you think you should be. And a lot of those things are defined by external success and really external illusions of what should be. And this is becoming more and more a problem when you look at, you know, social media and the, 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 the false illusion of perfection. And, you know, so it's really easy to get off the right track, right? Even if yeah. you think you're doing everything right. Like, for example, like I did, I was like, look at here I am just out there collecting trophies. I've got this company and that company and this you know, award and that award. Yes, exactly. And it's like, Oh, but it's really doesn't mean anything unless you're constantly checking in and, and that's where you want to be. Right. So um, when I started with the, the first idea of the book is that I can't stand this, the word productivity, because if you think about it, it's product it's it's everything is centered around a product not a person Mm. right and so it's like how many things did I do like input versus output input versus output and that doesn't really take into consideration any of the nuance of being a human and so especially for women who have really had to try and kind of carve out careers in a system that was built for men by men and that's not a bad thing that's, that's what, that was the situation, you know, we weren't really in the workplace. And now there's just a lot of fitting in, fitting in, fitting in, constantly repositioning to fit in. Um, that's exhausting. And all of that fitting in again, takes you off course of really, what really speaks to your true value, your true essence, you know, who you are. And so you end up doing a lot of things that don't speak to that. And you're really moving other people's agendas forward, not maliciously. Again, like people aren't out there like, ooh, how can I get her to do this? This is just what's happening, like deeply subconsciously. And so without that self-reflection piece, it's so easy to get like, you know, caught up in a, in, in, in a, t- you know, a current taking you somewhere where you don't really need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember vividly 
a um, few years ago, my husband looked at me and he would see me be so unhappy. And, you know, from the outside, I was overachieving, succeeding, killing it. But mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling my own success, right? Mm-hmm. I was so heads down, like you say, doing the work and so in my gerbil wheel, I wouldn't mm-hmm. even spend time to like go shopping and buy myself something, right? Because yeah. I was all about like save, 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 save. Yeah. And my husband yeah. was like, Maria, you need to feel your right. success. Like go out and buy yourself something and, and go shopping and don't be afraid and whatever. And so I was like, oh, and he's like, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to start doing it for you. And I was like, okay, right. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And like that kind of helped a little bit for a minute because I, I, when you don't see you, the, the fruits of your labor, mine were just oh. going in the bank or, you know, yeah. going into my businesses. Um, yeah. Then I was kind of like, well, wh- what am I in this dribble wheel for? Like, exactly. what's the point? And so there's an element of that. There's an element of like not stopping to celebrate your successes because you're so in it. And yeah. that was a big thing for me. Like, I'll never forget when I made New York Times bestseller list for my second book again. Um, my assistant looked at me and he's like, you never have balloons. Like you never celebrate. So I was like, okay, cool. On the way out of work today, we'll like pop a bottle of champagne. So we popped a bottle of champagne in the parking lot at Universal (laughs) Studios after shooting day at extra. And I was like, cool, we did it. Bye. Gotta go. And like, you're Mm -hmm. excited for the minute. And then you're like, okay, what's next? What's next? Yeah. And a lot of that, a lot of that is fear-based, right? We're actually afraid to stop. It's like, what happens if I stop? Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose everything. And, and if I don't keep up this pace, somebody is going to come in and go at at least this pace or Mm -hmm. faster. And that's where so much of the exhaustion comes in because you're just constantly trying to go. And it would be bad enough if it was just about, I've got to get this higher and higher and higher, but it's more than that. It's like, if I stop, it could be over. This could all end if I don't stop. So that's why it's so hard to stop and reflect too, because Number one, again, there's that, like, could I be replaced in five seconds if I don't keep up this momentum? But also, when you're filling your life and your head with so much busyness, you're also, and you become more and more disconnected from yourself, you're scared to stop because you're scared about silence and you're afraid to, like, what will I discover about myself? I'm, no, I'm just going to keep going. And it's like, you got, we got to get over that fear. Um, because that's where all the toxic stuff comes from is out of fear. Right. And so that's why so many people are like overscheduled. Like you look at my agenda, my planner used to be just like, Mm -hmm. you know, six days a week. Like, so it's scary to be like, Whoa, I need to pull this way back and just really be kind of simple and minimalist and very focused on a you know, I talk about having three major goals at any one time and just be focusing on, you know, I mean, it's life, you still have to do the mundane and the stuff, you know, that everybody has to do, but like where most of your energy should be spent are those three big things at any one time. And, you know, you know, there are like diet journals where you write, if you like want to lose weight or something, you write down every single thing you eat. I talk about in the book doing it's like a time challenge where you, for one week, you write down literally every single thing you do morning till night. I mean, other than like going to the bathroom and stuff, but like wake up, have breakfast, jump in the shower, like all of these things. And then when you get to the end of the week, you look at how you've spent your time. And then you look at your three big goals. And I think you'll be shocked to see how little time you're putting into those three big goals. Yep. 
you should be putting about 80% of your time into those three big goals. When in reality, you're probably putting 10 to 15% of time. So this is what leads to exhaustion and frustration and a lack of motivation because it's like, as you said, it's like on a hamster wheel and like you're going fast, but are you really going anywhere? Yeah. Not really. Um, not really anywhere meaningful, right? And that's what it's all about. Again, like to your point, if you're just putting money in the bank and you can't take any time to enjoy anything and reflect upon it, it's like if a tree falls in the woods, do you really hear it? It's kind of the same thing. It's like, yes, I guess you could look at a bank balance, but how does that speak to where you are emotionally and mentally? Well, there's no connection whatsoever, actually. Yeah. So if anything, it's just propping up fear like, oh, good, I've got this money. That means I'm something. That means. As a first time mom of the baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Because I'm safe. And really, we know when you look at health things or you look at global pandemics, this money really doesn't at the end of the day, that's, that's, it's, it's very vapid. Um, so, so now more than ever, these things are important, right. To find meaning and what really speaks to your core values. Um, because you know, as we see this stuff can be taken away like that. Yeah. So when you kind of found yourself, you, you had your success again, um, or you had your success, you were killing it. And then you found yourself in that moment again, where you're like, Oh shit, I'm burnt out. I'm about to, this could be the moment I lose everything again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you do then kind of step by step? Well, so the funny thing is the whole reason I realized I was like uh, on an impending burnout is because I got this call from a New York lit agent and I get these because of my blog, I get a lot of like, you know, people, Hey, you want to write a book? Blah, blah, blah. But any, and I, you know, they're never really real. And so, but this, pretty big uh, New York lit agent sent me an email. I didn't respond. She followed up. She felt very persistent. So I took a look at it and I was like, oh, this person's actually real and legit. She said, we want you to write a book. We want you to write a book. So I kind of got excited and I got, I said, okay, yeah, I'll take a call. And um, I had a, I was really excited. I like put together some pitch ideas of like, things I wanted to write but I you know I I had come down here to be a screenwriter so like fiction so I'd like put these ideas together for this book I get on the phone with her and and she's like uh I'm like so what what, like what would you what do you think I should write about and she was like well about you like it'll be a book about you and I was like what I was so like disappointed and I was like (laughs) Who would read that? What What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like I got off the phone and I was like, this is, oh, I'm so frustrated. I got excited again about writing. And now this like, whatever. 
And it was in that next 24 hours, this is exactly when I had this epiphany, that I went into my office the next morning, and I was still thinking about the call and irritated. And then I got into my office and I looked around and I had the good fortune to work with some really strong, uh, inspirational women. I looked around and I was like, I think we're all suffering from the same uh, illness here. We're just going, going, going. And so it was actually in that phone call that I started to have this epiphany about like, oh, whoa, like I have accomplished a lot of stuff. And I, you know, I have built this big thing and this thing and like, whatever. I'm like, whoa, why have I not even thought about that? So it was the catalyst was this call from this lit agent. And I, we ended up working together and sold the book and all that stuff. But so I, the funny thing is I didn't start writing this book as like an expert, right? I started it. It was like, a, it was really like a real time process of self-discovery for me. Um, and the first thing that I did was I, I came up with this new theory called the pop effect, which is the real formula for productivity. And that is the first P stands for personality. The second P stands for opportunity. And the third P stands for productivity. And that is how you come up with your personal productivity formula. So in other words, it's not about input versus output. Um, it's about number one, personality. Who are you right now? How did you get here? Where do you want to go? What, you know, what makes you tick? Really doing an evaluation of who you are, what makes you happy. Again, all of these things, just like you said, like not relying on that 18 year old version of yourself. Um, who am I right now? So that in the book, there's like a whole, the tons of like exercises to like really kind of hone in on all these things. Um, and then the second part is, oh, is opportunity. And that's like, so now that you understand exactly who you are, what is the exact opportunity around you? Like, you, you know, if you're living in Detroit, Michigan, or if you're living somewhere in Africa, that opportunity is going to be very different, right? So you have to start off being pretty realistic about this is who I am. This is where I am. This is where I want to go. Now, what is the opportunity that is in front of me realistically? Um, so then there's like a whole thing of kind of drilling down on what you, the landscape of your opportunity looks like. And maybe it's a question of like, okay, I really want to be, uh, you know, a dentist or something, but you don't have the education. So like, what's your opportunity then to study? Like you start putting a plan in place around what will you will need to get you there. And then you can start finally evaluating the second piece, which is productivity is like, what now would make sense as a plan for you to feel truly productive. And that um, again, is just really identifying those three things that are really important to you at any given moment. I like to spread them out over like a career, a relationship and a personal um, so like, and again, when you, depends on where you are at your, in your life. If you're late twenties, maybe you don't, maybe you're not focused on a relationship. Maybe you've got two big career things and then like a personal thing, you know, maybe you're in your mid thirties and you're like, oh, I've always wanted out of a family. So maybe you, you, you put your emphasis more on there, right? Everything's very pliable to where you are and what you want. But again, it's about being very cognizant about constantly working with a razor focus towards those three big goals and cutting out a lot of the other stuff that doesn't serve you, that serves other people's agendas. And that's hard to do because that means a lot of saying no. That's a lot of um, stopping apologizing when you're not really sorry or shouldn't really being sorry. That's about like just really changing even like your basic vocabulary. There's a lot of stuff that is just granular and innate to specifically women that really um, does not help us. It really holds us back. And so it's shedding all of these things 
that really weigh us down so that we can be razor focused on working towards those three or four. It's not in stone, the three, but those small number of goals um, that really speak to the core value of who you are. I love that. Um, I love that because I, I had done something um, a little similar years ago. I like created a diagram because I was so overwhelmed and I had so many things I was doing. So on the in the left margin, I wrote everything I was doing. Yeah. And probably exhausting. Yeah. And then in the right margin, I had the goal. I was like, okay, sure. I want to do my own show. And right. then anything that took me to the show, I drew a line to it. Exactly. Anything that didn't wasn't going to get carried over. So like I was acting at the time, which was super fun, but it was time consuming. And yeah. I was like, that's not really where I want to go ultimately. Like, so that had to get cut. And there were things that got cut like that. Um, I like the idea of being flexible with how many things, right? Because you're yeah. right. Like there is a point in your life where you have to realize, oh, I do want to have a family and that's going to take some, some consideration and some time. Um, to focus on it. So I'm going to now, after this show, really look at mine. And because, you know, it's yeah. always like we think more is better, right? Oh. So like Kevin and I will go to the mall, we'll have our list of things for 2020. It's like, here are all the projects we have. Yeah. And then we're like, so freaking overwhelmed. And, yeah. and listen, we're hard workers and we're trying, but you can't do it all. No. And you know, for women, I always say like, we try to be everything to everyone. And then we end up being nothing to ourselves. And so, um, I'm going to now apply this kind of three thing rule. I already kind of have my ideas in my head of what those three things are, but you were writing this book and I'm pretty sure I remember, um, that it took you like eight months. Like you were, it was not happening. And I know what book publishers are like, they give you a deal and you have to do it within that calendar year. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or totally. they get upset. So was it like eight months in you started pen to paper? Am I wrong? Yeah, no, that was that's correct. Okay. Yeah. So then I had this big kind of yeah, it's like epiphany. Oh, I know what I'll write about. And then as but as I said, I was certainly not an <laughs> an expert on this. So as I was doing the self-discovery, I was not writing anything, right? And I, I was like, I just couldn't quite find the the vibe of it or I, I don't, I, and then, and then finally something clicked in when I'm not exactly sure what that was, but I was really, I was very scared that this book wasn't going to get done and I was going to have to return in advance. Um, and then, and then there, but there was a moment when, again, I'm not sure exactly, but it just all started to click everything that I'd been like kind of studying about, you know, at large and about myself um, start, you know, just started to gel, but it, it did take like, you know, it was scary there for a second because then I wrote the entire book in like two months. Well, which it is sounds unheard, like, you know. like one of the things I marked in here that I was telling the audience I was excited about was when you said we have a constant need to prove our worth. And right. I think perhaps it sounds like you didn't even know your own worth when you started the journey. And you had right. to find your worth and realize that you had something valuable to say. I had a similar experience with my book. I was approached by somebody random and they were like, hey, would you want to write a book? I'm like, write a book? Like, yeah. what? Huh? And I ended up writing a book that ended up in the advice category and made the New York Times bestseller list. 
and had no idea I had even written an advice book. Like I just (laughs) wrote what I wanted to share information wise with people. And, um, and so I think, I think it's kind of funny. Like you, you can go on a journey and not really know the end. I think sometimes we always feel like we're supposed to know the end totally, and, and that can be limiting. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I say in the book, one of my favorite, uh, I don't know if it's a quote, or, but one of my favorite sayings is if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it, you know, it's just, we get so invested in outcome. And of course that never really works. Um, so, and again, like, like that's the wrong drive. It should be the experience, right? Which sounds cliche and cheesy, but actually the experience is something that can never be taken away from you. The outcome can always be taken away from you. And most often it is really, honestly, um, it's never quite as you imagined it. Right. So you have a lot of invested in something that is so, um, intangible and down the road when you could be invested in the here and now, and what is going on for you in this moment, this is so much more valuable, right? Mm -hmm. Because no matter where you've landed, you'll, it will be a success. Even if the outcome that you desired outcome you want if you just looked at that outcome could have been considered a failure, as long as you're invested in the journey, it will never be a failure. If the outcome is different, it is just a teachable moment. Mm -hmm. But if you're invested completely in the outcome and it's not what you wanted, then that is a failure, right? Like you can see how then I wanted something. I didn't get it. That's a failure. If you're invested in the journey and the learning process and the self-discovery and, and feeling everything as you're going along, as opposed to being numb until you get somewhere, um, then there, that can't be a failure. Yeah. Even if the outcome at the end is different than what you expected. Yeah. At, at worst, it's a teachable moment. At best, it's a fabulous success. Yeah. The other thing that I think we were touching on without saying it earlier um, that I really loved is you may feel like the most productive person alive, but without a purpose, you're just busy. Yes. I mean, drop the book. Right. <laughs> Talk about right. that. I was just busy. I yeah. wasn't being productive. I was just busy. And those trophies and those successes are very misleading because you think that's pro- you're being super productive. But really, you're just getting shiny objects for being busy. That's not... The, the headspace or the physical space that you want to embody because what happens then is the end of every day you're exhausted yep right and of course cumulatively that's not sustainable you're going to hit a wall health-wise I, too yes exactly i i have a very simple litmus test you know people are always like well are you happy are you happy and i find like happy is a very esoteric everybody has a different definition of what that means there's a lot on it but for me you know, I can always tell what my energy level is, right? I can tell you right now, right now, I've actually have great energy. I'm happy to be talking to you. You know, there are other times uh, you, you can just feel innately what your energy is. Mm-hmm. So at the end of every day, check in with your energy. If you're feeling exhausted day after day, you're on the wrong course. If you're doing something you really love and you're really dialed into, you can be tired, really tired at the end of the day, but rarely is your energy exhausted right? You're not depleted. You're still that something that's really can, you're doing things that are really connected to who you are and where you want to go. Your energy stays very high. Again, you can be tired, but that energy level is high. It's when you are 
doing things that are not connected with you, like maybe the acting that you were talking about that wasn't speaking to you, that it starts to like day after day, you get to the end of the day and you're like, this is where it's like, oh, thank God it's Friday, right? And I know people say that without thinking about it, but it's like, that's, that's an exhausted energy. That's like when you start panicking on Sunday night, you know, cause you got to go in Monday. That's an exhausted energy. That's mm-hmm. not where you want to live. And that's a very, that's a very, that's like the busyness litmus test. Are you just really busy or are you really productive? Yeah. Um, and, and if you're exhausted versus just tired, but good energy, you're going to see if you're on the right track or not. Yeah. I think that's so important because like you said, a lot of us are so busy and we're so kind of heads down working, we don't know how to do those self-checks. And I, I yep. had a really great guest. I don't know if you know Susie Batiste. She created um, Poopery. Yes, yes, yes. And I don't know her personally, but I, I, I know of her. Yeah, she's amazing. And she was like, I think of everything in resonance and dissonance. Yes, you know, if it totally. feels resonant, that means I'm like full of life, yeah. skipping my step, feeling amazing. If I think of something I'm going to embark on and I'm like, ugh, I can't, oh, yeah. I'm not going to want to do that, whatever. And that's how I try to make a lot of my decisions about totally. what I'm going to do. That. Yeah. But a lot of people don't, but that's a great way to say it. I completely, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, when you talk to women, um, what do you think is kind of the most uh, common theme about getting shit done? Um. In terms of like an inability to do it, like it, a, like you, like a negative theme or a positive theme. Let's do both. Okay. Well, I think the thing is one of the things is like there's a lot of complaining in terms of like like ah this is specifically to do with partners, but like, Oh, I've got to do this. And I've got to, you know, I've got to take the dishes out of the dishwasher and da, 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 da. And a lot of this is self-imposed. This is uh, a woman needing to have things a certain way. And more often than not, partners are very willing to help. It's just, they try and help and it's not done in a certain way. And then they kind of get barked at. And it's like, do you want to spend your time obsessing that the plates weren't put around way, way the right way that you would like them? Or do you want to find happiness in your relationship and use that energy to do something that'll bolster that relationship as opposed to being like obsessive about this idea of like, I need to be controlling everything. Like if I'm not doing everything's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. It's really bad thinking because it's like they, you know, they say about a, a good CEO is somebody that, can put an infrastructure in place and then walk away. They get the right people and it basically runs itself, right? And I think the same thing is true of like a household where it's like, stop trying to have your fingers in every little thing in the house and then complain about it. When there are so many, uh, again, like I think we would be surprised. I'm always surprised how willing a partner is to help um, it's just maybe not in the hundred percent way I would do it, but that's okay. Like we've yeah. got to be able to free up some emotional energy around these things um, so that we can, again, enjoy, not be so wrapped up. A, a lot of it is like, again, fear-based, um, but you know, again, like fear is the number one sucker of energy. So I see that a lot. And then I see something that I really actually revere 
in men is their ability to compartmentalize. Mm. So, and that, that in a relationship stance is not always the best, but for a career, I think it's really, really helpful because in that morning, when I had that epiphany about the book, when I went into the office, I ended up going out for drinks that night with a couple of those women. And I looked around the, we were at a little bar and I looked around the bar and all of the women were either on their phones or the conversations we were having were all work-related. And the men were sitting there with beers, watching the TV. Like they were in the moment. They were able to step out of something and be in that moment where we're like constantly like dragging stuff with us. Mm. And and it's- Complaining uh, and yeah. Yeah. It's like, or I'll send an email and then for like two days, I'll be like, I should have said that. You know, I really, you know, I- I could have said that better. That's just not happening with men. Like they send the email and then they're on to the next thing. And I think that's a really good lesson. Just done is done. It's not about getting the absolute best. It's really, is it good enough? Great. Move on. And so we're such perfection seekers uh, and it has to be from the way we're raised as young girls, right? You've got to be a good girl. Got to be perfect. Let's get the bow on. Perfect. Let's get the dress tied. Right. And so we've been raised. And then, of course, there's the societal pressure to be perfect. And so I think that's what's led, along with fear, to the controlling nature that some of us us fall into. And so what is your advice? And did you have to undo some of this yourself? How do we do that? Like I was telling Kelsey the other day, I'm like, guys have it so awesome. They don't give a shit about anything, right? They just want to make money and drink and have sex, whatever, like pretty simple, right? Sorry to like break you guys down like that simply. And girls were, okay, thank you. And girls were like, oh my God, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you're having sex thinking about your four-year plan as opposed to what you're actually doing. Yeah. So like this can obviously lead to a lot of frustration. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing here. Um, in terms of like a tip or a technique is the awareness piece. It's just watching how you're behaving is 50% of the remedy, right? Once you start seeing these behaviors, you can step outside of yourself and watch the way, just my ability to like identify, oh, wait, I'm still thinking about this email I sent two days ago. That's nuts. What purpose does that serve for me? Yeah. Nothing, Who cares? right? It doesn't change the outcome of the person receiving that in- email. It doesn't change anything. I'm just sitting here spinning my wheels over it for literally no reason, right? So just having awareness about your behavior, and that's part of the thing, like writing down the time challenge, um, you know, you're just ta- you're just writing down what you're specific, like physically doing, but there is something very revealing Um, about your emotional reaction to all of those physical things as you're writing them down. And I think that's the first catalyst for just being a witness to your own behavior. Once you see these things, it's very, it's, it's, it's not very easy, but it's far easier to start course correcting. Hey, I don't want to do this. This isn't serving me. I've got to stop that behavior. And so it's just like rehabit building, right? It's like undoing one thing to start another thing. And it's amazing. Once you start putting those practices in place, they, you they, you very quickly stop thinking about them and they just become muscles that you're flexing. Yeah. But until you have the awareness around them, it's just automatic pilot hamster wheel shit going on, yeah. right? And that's so, um, yeah, it's just watch your behavior. Watch, like the next time you're feeling angst at all, stop. 
Why, what am I feeling right now? What was the thought that was just going through my head when I started having this feeling? So it's, again, it's a paying attention to almost like your physical feelings. Like mm-hmm. I've got tightness here. I'm irritated for some reason. All of stop. Why am I feeling this way? Oh, yeah. I'm feeling this way because I'm obsessing because I just had a meeting where I didn't say what I really wanted to say and I should have, and now I'm pissed that I didn't. Okay. Why didn't you say what you didn't, what you wanted to say? What were you afraid of? What, you know, and just starting looking at the behaviors and how you're responding again, is solves 50% of the problem, but we're not looking at ourselves. We're mm-hmm. scared to be looking at ourselves or we're just so numb. And again, in the process yeah. that it doesn't even dawn on us. Yeah. To... And we're spending the time complaining to our friends about the fact that we didn't do it and exactly. wasting that time just rehashing that. Exactly. And that's like, that's literally like when I went out for drinks with my friend that night, that is what the conversation, oh, and I can't believe like, do you think the guys at the next table drinking the beers and watching the bat, nothing like this going on, just pure joy, simple, drinking a beer, watching a sports, whatever they were watching, but like loving it. And I'm not saying like, we definitely don't want to go 100% in that direction. There's a lot of problems with that. Yeah, well, think, we've already you know, masculinized ourselves so much. We exactly. need to, yeah. We want to definitely be leaning into the nuances of femininity. That's where like the richness is. That's where true creativity lies. I believe, you know, you want to dig as deep as you can into the feminine, but that's not to say that there aren't very valuable lessons that can be learned um, from the other sex and vice versa. Vice versa, totally. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So it's funny because, you know, I'm doing some talk shows for the book that, that like, oh, could I, could my husband read this? Or, or the guy will be like, well, this book isn't for me. And I'm like, you know, honestly, the second half of the book is all real time management tips. So that's good for you. But I'm like, just understanding the female psyche and where we've come from, I think is like a huge gift for a, yeah. for a guy to understand that. Right. Absolutely. It's like, ah, okay, you know, great. I mean, it can't hurt to understand uh, uh, to, a, to a greater degree what how women operate, you know? So I can speak to our male listeners quickly. I feel like I have a whole new view of my wife. You know, she's a really hardworking producer in this business, but the amount of extra societal pressure and like marionette strings that are placed on her yeah. just for who she is. I yeah. um, Just so for any of our male listeners, I echo what you say, Aaron. It's an incredible book. Yeah. Thank you. You know, Aaron, um, I didn't know our conversation was going to go like this. And now um, not only am I handcuffing you, you're my new best friend. You just don't know <laughs> it yet. We are hanging out. I need to um, spend more time with you. Um, but um, before I let you go, I have to get some of those time management skills for people who... Um, I know they love the conversation anyway, um, but I want to make sure that we hit on some really kind of precise techniques for people, because I think time management is a big issue for a lot of people and we don't learn it in school. Sure. Totally. So I think the number one thing, other than being very clear on your goals and all of that stuff, because it's amazing how much more motivation and efficient you are when you're really loving what you're doing. So besides that, let's just say you figured that out. Um, for me, the death of creativity and productivity is um, multitasking. Mm-hmm. It's not possible to churn out top work when you've got five things going at the same time. When you're checking an email, writing a proposal, uh, you're looking at a text from a girlfriend that's just broken up with a boyfriend. Like, there's just absolutely no way you can be as dialed in as you need to be. And it, it, it's, you know, the thing is, it's like you think, oh, I'm doing five things at once. Look how much I got done. But really, you're doing a really subpar version of all of those things, right? And so if you would just be focused on one thing at a time, you would get it done so much quicker and at such a higher quality. 
Um, you know, you don't have to go back and edit. You don't have to go back and do redos. So, so do as much as possible, one thing at a time and do it really well. And when you're having your conversation with your girlfriend, be really dialed into that. You don't need to talk for 45 minutes. You can talk for 10 minutes, but if you're really dialed in and listening, that's going to be a far better experience for both of you than a 45 minute call where you're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. You know what I mean? There's just no way that these two things are operating at maximum capacity, right? Or maximum outcome. So number one, like put, turn the phone down, like face down, do what you need to do, what's right in front of you and do only that um, to to the greatest extent that you can. Um, The second thing is I really believe my life was changed. I used to be like a night, kind of a night owl. I used to think that that was like really sexy and creative and like I'm a writer and I like stay up all night and then get up late. (laughs) This is terrible. This is like a weird cliche. I don't know where it came from. I'm sure it's true for some people, but for me, when I took control of my morning and really, you know, carving out, I meditate every morning, but if that's not for you, like finding something for you to find calm and focus, not rolling over and picking up your phone and scrolling. This is a way to start your day in a very scattered um, mental framework that you'll just carry throughout the day. And this inevitably will hurt your productivity and your time management. So like carving out 20 to, you know, 20, 25 minutes every morning um, to just be calm and focused and set the tone for a day is very, very uh, helpful. And then, um, you want us, I, what's really worked for me is I look at my day and I do all of the heavy lifting as early as possible, right? So we're just way more productive in the morning, way more productive before lunch. There's a thing that kind of happens after you eat, it's kind of digesting, processing sugar, all of that kind of stuff where you hit a slump. It's a much harder thing to get heady work done in the afternoon. So you want to be scheduling things like meetings and things where you're more talking as opposed to like, I really need to focus in here and create things, those things you want to do in the morning. Um, Anything you kind of are fearing doing, check that out because that's probably something that you would put in the morning, right? That's Mm going to take more stamina, more willpower. You want to put those things at the beginning um, where you've got the energy and the freshness. And specifically as it pertains to like the office, it's so easy to get distracted. Like and it's like what I call subconscious procrastination. It's like you walk by and somebody starts talking to you and like without even thinking about it, you're like, oh, I better, I better talk to this person, you know? And again, it's just because you're trying to not do, it's not because you're like this great office friend. It's because you're really avoiding doing the stuff that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So don't get locked into be very cognizant of like, I'm going to my desk and these are the three things I'm doing. I can talk to so-and-so after I'm not going to hang out at the water cooler. You know, it's like, be very diligent about those morning hours. Yeah. I've been told by a very successful friend. She's like, eat the frog, whatever (laughs) call on your list, you are really dreading or the thing you are dreading most to do, do it first and eat the frog. (laughs) Because it's unbelievable how much um, kind of like subconscious anxiety and stress you have like all day. If you're leaving that thing that you really don't want to do, that thing is still with you all day long. Exhausting you. It's with you all day long. When you get that, conversely, when you get that thing you really don't want to do done, it's almost like you're in a high. You're almost like, oh my God, got that thing done. And then you kind of walk through the day, rest of the day with like this energy, right? 
Oh, another thing, one quick thing. What I, a really good motivator for doing something when I, you don't want to do it is I literally get into the mental space of saying, how is it going to feel when I'm done this? Oh yeah. And I go, ha, ah. and like that feeling of like, I want to get to there is such a good like motivator to just do the thing. Cause you know how good you're going to feel when it's done. So just do it. Right. Um, so yeah. Eat I the love frog. that. It's good. What do you, what do you think about to-do lists? You know, it's kind of, on the one hand, I like, so I used to go to bed and my wheels would be spinning, like, okay, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And I do feel like if I wrote, like, if I write down at the end of the day, hey, what are some things I need to get done tomorrow? Then I, then I do that and my mind stops spinning, right? It's like, I know I've got the list, I'll check in with this in the morning. But I do feel like there is unless those to-do lists are again, very correlated to those big goals. Right. And again, you have to factor in, you know, you do have to pick up dry cleaning. You do have to do, so it's not about like loving every single thing on that list, but you do have to be very diligent that most things on that list are talking to those three big, three big things, two or three or four big things. Because if you don't, then that list starts to run you, you're not running the list. So as long as you're running the list, it's good. I think it's good. But you can't have like 75 things on there because then you're setting yourself up to fail. Number one. Number two, it's exhausting just and daunting just to look at that. It's anxiety yeah. producing. So it's got to be a tailored list of like, what are the big broad strokes that I need to get done? And then maybe like, if you don't want to forget picking up the dry cleaning, like add that on. But that's like in like a smaller, you know, metaphorical font. You know, it's like, these are the big goals. Okay. I love it. I can't wait to make my, my list of three things. I mean, I know it, but I'm just gonna, you know, I, I created, um, uh, after I had brain surgery three years ago, I created an out of office email that everyone got. And it basically says like, I'm focusing on life rather than emails now. So if you need anything, here are the 10 people you can go to, to achieve those things rather than me thinking I have to answer everything and having the pressure of having to email everybody back. And it's changed my life. Um, because what I find with email is we end up being, um, so responsive and so just accomplishing the demands of others rather than what we need to do in the day. And you said something very, very important that I talk about in the book. You train people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. So when you're responding within one second, yep. every time, or if people are asking things that aren't really in your purview and you're like, hey, but I can find out. And well, you've just trained that person that it's okay to come to you. Now on a one-off might not be so bad, but if you're doing that with great regularity, now you're getting dozens of emails that you it's not their fault they're emailing you. It's yours. You train that person. You email, I'll respond, and I'll do it within five minutes or mm-hmm. within an hour. You've set that expectation. So you got to be very cognizant of the expectations you're setting of others. Again, that's in your control. That's your responsibility. It's not the other people's responsibility. You've got a friend that's calling you every day. Um, she doesn't work in the day, and she's calling you every day, and you roll your eyes and go, and pick up the phone. That's on you, yeah. right? You train. She's calling because you're answering. Right. So you got to train people how to treat you, take some responsibility on that. It's not them. It's you. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's freed me so much. Um, and, uh, and I, I definitely recommend finding a way to implement it in your life because otherwise it's, it's, yeah, you're just, you're doing what everybody else wants you to do. And then you're feeling like for me, I was so exhausted. I never had time to get to my stuff. Right. So, 
Um, or even if you get to it, there's just a total lack of enthusiasm around it because it's like, oh, now I got to get to my stuff, which is exactly the wrong vibe. Yeah. Well, Erin, uh, this is part one of like many, many parts. I hope you'll come back for because I am obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with how to get shit done, which by the way, is available wherever books are sold. Um, you can go to Amazon, obviously, and you can check out Erin's self-improvement website, pickthebrain.com for more amazing practices. And, um, I am so excited. I got to know you. This was yeah. one of my favorite conversations. Like oh, I, thank you. Me too. Well, anytime let's, let's have a, let's have a socially distanced hang in Venice. <laughs> I would love <laughs> that. I would love that. that. I'm definitely going to reach out to you and I've been creating my own new tribe in right. the last like two years here on better together. And I have the most amazing women that, um, are just so inspiring and uplifting and fun. And so, um, I'll have to introduce you to some of them yeah. too. I'd love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. Have an amazing day. Thank you. Bye. Okay. I have a new best friend, guys. Oh, my God. I love her. I love her, too. Like, love, love, love her. Yeah. You should see my page of notes. Oh, my God. I know. I loved, I wrote down, like, check in with who you are now. Dang, that's good. And then you train people, which... I've told Kevin this for a long time. Like he, I'm like, you can't just respond to people right away. Cause then they expect that. Like you have to temper people's expectations of you. Right. And so, um, I, I'm so excited about this episode. She just gave me so much life. Like she gave me like three lattes worth of energy just now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling totally <laughs> amped too. Same. And I love, you know, there's such a specific energy to her where, you know, sometimes I feel like this, and we see it from men and women, this like, no apologies, be who you are mentality can almost become antagonistic. But there's a way to like, you know, she says, avoid, no, sorry, and should. And there's a way to be this person while still being light and pleasant and mm-hmm. enjoyable. And she somehow manages to be completely herself, completely devoted to her own pursuits, but really pleasant. And someone I want to be around. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Totally. You guys know what else I like too? When she was talking about fear... And she was saying that fear, which, what was it? Fear is the number one sucker of energy, but also yeah. how if you're afraid and you're going towards a goal, someone who's not afraid is going to come in and swoop it. Totes. And I was like, oh wow. my, yes, of course, yep. of course. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. I'm excited for your guys' new friendship because oh I'm reaping God. the benefits. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm so going to Venice right now and we're not going to do her. Hi, it's me um all right well tomorrow guys uh we have yale professor and emotional wellness expert dr susan david she is the author of emotional agility and she's going to teach us how our own emotions how to own our own emotions so they don't own us with practical strategies and takeaway that's going to be a good one um if you haven't already subscribed to the show please subscribe to the show if you haven't already become a member of patreon please click the link in the summary and join us there um and uh if you liked today's episode jeff has an episode he wants to recommend yeah i was saying i think the bazoma saint john episode is really good um in terms of especially like specifically the female professional experience and she uh, was just promoted to cmo of netflix so it's a good time to be shining a spotlight on her i know i love her that's november 18th of last year so check it out perfect well thank you guys for joining us as always we now know better so today we've gotten better um shout out to the booth again for kicking ass today and jeff 
Yes. You'll have your rundown so you can kick ass in the office. I need to just print it. I like, (laughs) you're right. I like was thinking I can save paper, but with the Zoom, sometimes my computer freezes. So I'm just going to print it. (laughs) It's good. I got to quit bumping my head. Dead. That was really funny. All right, Jeff, you're kicking ass in the office too. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, You can follow us at Maria Menounos, at Aaron Falconer. Uh, at Ryan Nelson, at Jeffrey Cranegram, at Kelsmeyer too. And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. <laughs>